welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your new speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Rahul's back to the old days, my friend, just you and I again. It is, and our good friend Holland Hive, Lukaku Hive, is, <laughs> is out today, but yeah, we're back to the original squad yeah, yeah, we've got a few things to talk about. Alex will be missed because I know he has some strong opinions on our strikers that we're definitely being linked with today, but we'll catch up next week with him and see what happens from there. But we want to jump right into transfers maybe because it's getting kind of crazy a little bit out there. Yeah, final month of the transfer window and things are kicking off. Last time we spoke about Chelsea making their first signing in uh, Marcus Bettinelli. And now things have kind of picked up in terms of the striking position where for the longest time it was about Holland and what are Chelsea going to do is the official bid. Team Holland don't, you know, don't want to do anything with Dortmund until Chelsea make the bid. Now there's a whole new name (laughs) on the horizon and new in the sense that we've spoken about him in the past. And, uh, you know, we actually owned him (laughs) nine years ago and, I'm talking about Romelu Lukaku. Wow. This is not a blast from the past, right? No, just kidding. Look, Lukaku is one of those names that you and I personally had always hoped that he would kind of take the mantle on from Didier Drogba. And I hate to say that because I think he's a slightly different style of player to Drogba. He, he just had that big physical presence. And I, I was really disappointed when we sold him on to Everton. And a few years later, when he was moving from Everton to Manchester United, We were kind of in the mix again, linked with him. And my opinion at the time was, we let him go the first time. We're going to go spend 70 odd million to bring him back. And now I'm hearing we're going to go try for 100 odd million to bring him back. Isn't that kind of crazy? It is. And I mean, there's two aspects to this, right? There's the market. And when you need a top striker, and Lukaku is a top striker, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. In in world football, he's got to be up there. Uh, you've got to pay the big bucks, and especially right. when Inter don't want to sell. And on the other side, I think it's very well known in the transfer market in the football world that Chelsea are looking for a striker. So those two things coming together, Inter are trying to make the most out of it and you know, not saying that they need this money, but you can't turn down 130 million euros. Well... Speaking of strikers and 130 million, it sounds like Dortmund (laughs) is turning down that much money for Haaland, who I'm hearing for next season could go as little as 75 based on some release clauses and things like that. So that's really another interesting one, just based on, again, Lukaku is still young enough to make a good impact for the next four seasons. But then you go to Haaland, who could make a good impact for the next 10 seasons. And you're wondering where 120, 130, maybe go for the 150, 160 go for Haaland. Again, I don't think I have a preference. I, we've always been Team Haaland for the longest time just because he's he's new, he's exciting, he's different, but Lukaku would be a, a, definitely a marquee signing. A couple of th- questions I have for you is when Lampard had his season last year, he started the season with Tammy and Giroud and then slowly kind of faded out to Giroud and Timo. A normal number nine, Tammy kind of almost took a backseat. Tuchel comes in and Giroud, who's another number nine, took an even further back seat. We started going with a false nine, almost with no recognized out-and-out striker. And we did pretty well. I mean, we were not scoring big goals per games. It was one goal here, one goal here. But he kind of swapped between Pulisic, um, Timo Werner, and Kai Havertz playing that front position. 
do we need to go out and buy a big false number? I mean, a big number nine, maybe? I, I think we do. And it, like you said, he made it work from January to May, ended up with a Champions League. And you can say, well, we've got a Champions League winning attacking line. So why do we need to add a 130 million pound or euro player? Uh, but I think back to games like when we played Southampton away, I think back to when we played Leeds away, uh, even when we played some of the home games where we struggled, I'm thinking of West Brom, and I say mm-hmm. struggled because we ended up losing due to a red card, but we still created a lot of chances in this four or five months that Tuchel has been here, uh, but we didn't finish them. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we're saying we need someone who's going to finish these chances. And for how good Timo has been in terms of working hard, for giving his all, Havertz, you know, coming back from COVID and doing an, and doing a good job and doing a job that he can do when required, but that's not what he's in the team for. Right. I think having Lukaku there almost says, we're going to create 10 chances and we're going to put away eight, nine, maybe. And that's, that's what we need. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, Rahul, is speaking of Timo, speaking of Kai, speaking of Christian Pulisic, trying to play that role. It's almost like we, we've we talked about this for, for the whole year now. We missed some physical steel or physical presence. And, and when I alluded to physicality, I was always talking about the midfield where we needed more strength because Kante is kind of the only one who would physically boss people around. Jorginho and Kovacic have a different type of style to them. We want some physicality. And you look around the field and... Yes, Juru could hold up play and Tammy could to a certain degree, but they weren't getting chances. And the three that have played in that front row, they weren't the most physical. Don't get me wrong. I think on their day when Kai, Timo, Mason Mount even want to actually push a play off, they can. But just having that presence up there saying, look at me, occupy the space, pay attention to me. It might benefit these names I've mentioned because they may get to run in behind and I hope that if we do sign someone like Lukaku, maybe the expectations aren't 20 goals, which we'd love to see 20 goals from him for the season, but maybe the return of a Timo, maybe return of a Kai and Mount will go up because they're playing off a player like, like, like similar to what Lampard used to do off of Drogba, Maluda, Jokol, they all kind of played off of him and he got his 20 goals too. So that will come with time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I'd like to say, I know Lukaku had a, Tough time at Manchester United, but before that he did we're very well for West Brom. Like we've been, like we said, I think before we started recording, he got 17 goals in his first season for West Brom. Uh, then he moved to Everton, did very well for them. In fact, his best season in the Premier League came for Everton in 16-17 when he got about 25 goals. So right. uh, he's got that Premier League experience. Yes, Manchester United didn't work out for him as he would have expected, but he's gone away, he's gone to Inter, and I think he's almost taken his game to another level where he scored, I think, about 72 goals for Inter Milan. Yeah, so I'm uh, looking at his stats here, Rahul. I just had a second to pull it up. For Manchester United, actually, it feels like they were held to a different standard back then. He played 51 appearances for the 17-18 season and made 27 goals. And then the following season, which was his bad season, was... 45 appearances and 15 goals. Now, I don't have the assists that he contributed to and how many games he started versus how many came off the bench. But when he went to Inter, it was a similar story. He played 51 and 34 goals in his first season. This past season was 44 appearances and 30 goals. So there are goals in there, regardless of what you want to say about this time at Manchester United. I don't think it was a bad time. 
by any means necessarily. And remember, he had to play against like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Jose Mourinho sometimes used to pull him out of the team, put a different type of player in there. So maybe inconsistency had to something to do with that as well. But um, I've always been an admirer of him. Like I said earlier on, I think his heart was with Chelsea when he first signed. I still remember some of his very, very early interviews about the love and the passion he had. His idol was Didier Drogba. He didn't want to be Didier Drogba, but he looked up so much to Didier Drogba. And it's it's one of those things where, again, it, it, the money they talk about these days is crazy. And maybe I have to get over that just because I know we paid for him nine years ago. But maybe it'll be a good return. We've talked about the return of Aiden Hazard. And I think between you, me and Alex, we said that's that's coming from the heart, but the mind saying let, let Aiden go. But the Lukaku one's a very interesting one. And I think I would be I would be happy if he were to join us. Yeah, I think so too. And adding a goal scorer, like you said, all the goals that you mentioned, uh, even if he scores a portion of those, that's yeah. almost, you know, picking up six to nine points, maybe even 12 points that we didn't have last season. Right. So I think the only thing, like you said, is the is the final cost of this whole transfer. But in today's market, when other teams, and I know we'll touch on City spend in a few seconds, I think this kind of money is almost normal now. <laughs> Yep. And then just before we move off the Lukaku saga, there's also talk of, as part of the money, potentially Marcus Alonso might be going in the other direction if Inter are interested, if Alonso is interested. There's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's getting close to crunch time. And I'd like to see this deal put to bed before the season starts. He needs a little bit of time to settle in. He does. And I saw a lot of, because um, the last time he played for us in the Super Cup, he missed the penalty and we lost. So everyone's saying it's time for redemption and he's, <laughs> He's coming back to win us the Super Cup. So, hey, if it happens before the 11th, which is next week, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, definitely so. So if we're going full gung-ho for Lukaku, what does this mean for Holland? Uh, that dream's over for this season. Now, <laughs> Maybe next season we go back and we say, here's $75 million and we want Holland. Uh, but I think a lot of other teams are going to be in for him next season. And uh, it's going to be a tougher fight with other clubs not directly with Dortmund like it was this season but we got to take it one season at a time and it's Lukaku coming for now so Alex I, I think you've changed your Instagram <laughs> handle from Holland Hive to Lukaku Hive hopefully that one comes through so you don't have to change the name again but looking at number nines Rahul we've got Lukaku potentially coming in Holland was on the market for a while at least in Chelsea's eyes we have another number nine that potentially doesn't have a spot in Chelsea anymore in, in Tammy Abraham. Any news on what's happening there? Yeah, the latest coming out, again, Fabrizio Romano, the main man, uh, is saying that uh, Tammy Abraham is being linked to a move to Atlanta in, mm. uh, in Italy. And that's because it's kind of like a striker roulette. So Lukaku moves to Chelsea. Inter are going to go for Atlanta striker right now, Duvan Zapata, the Colombian. Yep. And if he moves to Inter, then Atlanta are going to come to Chelsea for Tammy Abraham. So it's kind of like a domino effect. If Chelsea make that move fi- final with Lukaku, then Tammy Abraham is almost certain to to be leaving. Okay, that's going to be an interesting one. I know Tammy has had both his core group of followers and his core group of anti-supporters, dare I say. So it's going to be interesting. I think you said before we started recording, he only has a year, maybe a year and a half left year of his left, contract. Yeah. Yeah, so this is crunch time. Either he signs or we're going to have to make a, a deal to move him on. And whether whether he moves or he stays with us, we wish him all the best. Yeah, and I I think today was his final home game if he ends up leaving. Uh, and I think I heard somewhere, I actually saw the picture, he was crying. 
So that almost tells you what's what's going on behind the scenes. And he's a Chelsea boy, and hopefully we can see him back in the future. Yeah, like Lukaku would make exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talking about some players we're trying to bring in. Seems like we're looking at center backs again, and we talked about this one last time. Any updates here? So I think it's kind of same with Jules Conde. Uh, Chelsea is still negotiating. A little bit different in terms of what Sevilla want versus what Chelsea want to pay. Uh, but the one thing that I haven't seen being reported since last week is Kurt Zuma being involved in this deal. Right. So maybe uh, those those rumors in terms of him going in the Conde deal have dropped, but I still think he's being heavily linked to West Ham. Oh, okay. So well, there's some there's interesting some, developments there. Yeah, still some movement around Zuma, which personally he's done pretty well this in, mm-hmm. the, in preseason. So it would be good to keep him, but we can't keep them all. Yeah, and it's an interesting one. I think we've already talked about it. We've got Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Andreas Christensen, Malang Sar, Zuma. So that's five. We play three. Reese James can play there. Not to mention, I think you were talking about Matt Miazga still on the books. He is, but so. the one player that has impressed, and I watched him in that Spurs game today, is Trevor Chaloba. Okay, there you go. A youngster, Chelsea youngster, and he's looked very good. And I hope he stays and doesn't go out on loan because I think he could have a role to play at least like I, I think I mentioned on one of our Instagram posts, we have six competitions this year. Right. And so we're going to need players and we're going to need, uh, you know, people to fill in when, when uh, these games start coming. So right. Chaloba could be a great option. Yeah. And I guess my only point is we're looking at already in-house eight potential center backs. <laughs> we need three to play. Maybe we keep six. I get that, but we're still going to go out and try and sign another one. It's, it's definitely crazy season right now. And I think Chelsea are not necessarily on shock value but we did miss that one transfer window where we were on a ban and we went full forward trying to find attacking players to kind of fill the void Uh, now it seems we've come back to balance we're looking at real positions where we want to fill in from center backs to midfielders to attackers so it's going to be an exciting transfer window it's just again like I repeat nerve-wracking to get to the final few weeks here and try and fit all of these players coming in and I will talk about outs in a few minutes but do you want to talk about some city news and see what's going on there yeah, so, I mean, Pep Guardiola back in, I think, April said they didn't have the money to buy a striker. And here they are about to drop £100 million on Jack Grealish. Uh, and then Harry Kane, I'm sure everyone's seen the news, has not turned up for training all week. Uh, I think he's in Florida from what I saw. And mm-hmm. he's staying there until his move to Man City uh, is finalized. And that's rumored to be around £160 million. So Interesting. all of a sudden, City have found over 250 million pounds in, <laughs> on two players. Yeah, that's going to be huge. You know, what's interesting about this is I read and I've heard quite a few things about, oh, Harry Kane is being inappropriate or not being a gentleman and holding up his contract or whatnot. But there's a lot of things going around about the fact that he had a gentleman's agreement with the owner of the club, Mike, not Mike Levy, what's his name? Daniel, Daniel Levy, yeah. saying that if we don't make Champions League, I would like to move on to try and get some big trophies into my career before my career is over. They're not holding up that part of the agreement either. And the flip side of some of these arguments is Harry Kane should go to training because he's not being disrespected by Tottenham. He's being disrespected by Manchester City. If Jack Creelish is worth $100 million, <laughs> why are they offering $100 million initially for, for Harry Kane? But I'm sure they were just testing the waters and things will even itself out in the next few weeks here. They will, but you've, you think about that City squad already. And now they're adding two quality world-class players into that mix. And it's almost 
taking it to a next level, but also adding a whole different complexity because Jack Grealish at Aston Villa is the main man. Right. He now comes to City and there's a lot of main men there and he may not get the ball as much as he does and how does he handle it? So right. and, a, a big headache for Pep. Yeah, and we've seen that, Rahul, Chelsea, especially in the earlier years where we would buy a Sean Wright Phillips who was a big name coming in from, ironically, Manchester City to <laughs> Chelsea. And he just couldn't fit in or, or kind of work Make his way work, into yeah. the team. And there were other players that I don't have off the top of my head, but coming for big money from different clubs, Andrei Shevchenko, for example, would come in and they just could not fit into, which has a team full of superstars, for lack of a better word. Yeah. So it's going to be definitely interesting. It's a good time for him to move. I believe I read he was 25 or 26, so he's kind mm-hmm. of, had that sweet spot that and age, it might yeah. work out for him too so yeah and i i mean just seeing what city is doing i saw a, a report saying chelsea want to respond to that so our response is that lukaku deal and i don't think like i think was it a few weeks ago chelsea there was a rumor that chelsea don't want to be left behind right now i think it was about the super league if i remember right and that's why they joined it and i think the moves we're making is with that same mindset is we don't want to be left behind man city who continue to just strengthen in their squad yeah it's been a few years since we've lifted the premier league and i think it's probably time for us to make a serious challenge and i think last year when we were talking about this we had said if we challenge for top four that will be good and maybe get a little bit closer we were a bit closer this season but i think now with the the forward power that we had from last season settling in a full preseason a manager coming off a champions league we really should be at the final stages of the Premier League when we get towards the end of the season. Absolutely. So 100 million coming in from City to Villa and looks like Villa is spending it pretty well so far. They are. They're building a decent squad and uh, not just replacing Jack Grealish, but kind of strengthening in different positions. So they actually signed uh, Buendia from Norwich City earlier Mm -hmm. in the transfer window. Out of nowhere, they added Danny Ings today, which in the world of rumors and and you know stories flying around that one was completely out of nowhere and yeah kudos to them because they kept it under uh the rugs and 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 pulled it off yeah danny ings is a very very good move he's the type of striker that unfortunately he's got a lot of injuries over his career but he's the type of striker when he's fit he really can cause some some damage because i'm looking here at his stats for for burnley in the championship he scored 26 goals and 45 appearances when he came to the Premier League, first season in the Premier League, he made 11 goals and 37 appearances, which is not too bad for a striker first season in the Premier League. Right. He got a big money move to Liverpool, and that's where his injuries kind of started, and it never really worked out. And when he went out to Southampton, he kind of rediscovered that form, 25 yeah. goals and 42 appearances, and last season, 13 and 33 before another injury took its toll. So he's he's got some skills there, and Aston Villa never really had a focal point last season. I know they had Wesley in their squad for a little bit, but he was in and out with injury as well. Yeah. So this is is looking good. And Leon Bailey has been on the radar of many a top club for the last few years. So they've, they've got a good deal here in, in what they're bringing into their squad. So I'm excited to see how they perform over the next few seasons. Yeah, Villa, I think they spent money their first season in the Premier League, which was uh, Lampard's first season to almost two seasons ago. Uh, and it took some time for them to gel. They stayed in the league. And last season, you saw they were one of the high flyers, at least at the start of the season. And now they're making moves to kind of strengthen and stay in the league, which good for them. I mean, they've got a good squad and they add to it. They are, they're adding to it wisely. They're not just adding right. because they, they're getting $100 million. They're adding 
in positions that are going to be good for them. Mm, for sure. I think that's definitely going to help them and maybe they want to watch for this upcoming season. Yeah, top four. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about an exit that happened from Chelsea? Yeah, so this kind of feels like repeating myself because for the last few episodes, we've spoken about young players leaving Chelsea and another one has left, Tino Liveramento, <laughs> uh, who was actually Academy Player of the Season last year, has moved to Southampton. Hmm. Um, and the only positive from this is we put in a sell-on clause, which if we don't decide to buy him because we also put the buyback clause, we would get some money out of the deal. So right. uh, in a way, it's good for him, for him to go away and get some playing time and for Chelsea to cover themselves in case they want to bring him back. Um, but it's kind of turned into a theme of this transfer window where young players, uh, academy players, have left Chelsea. Yeah, and you know, I think under Frank Lampard, there was always hope just because what he had done with, unfortunately, now Tammy Abraham, who may leave, and... Reese James and Mason Mount and then Billy Gilmore. And there were a few others that he had given opportunities to. There was always this feeling of if he was stuck, he was going to turn to the youth because he was a young prospect at West Ham. He brought these three or four together and they were pretty successful as Chelsea starting 11 material with now Tuchel coming in us winning the champions league. It's almost back to the Chelsea of old. Trust me. I'm not complaining when we win trophies and we're performing really well, but it is bittersweet there. You may tend to neglect the youth team that we've done so well for in the last two or three seasons here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's Chelsea, though. Like, you know, you've got to have the best players. You've got to win everything that's out there to be won. And like you said earlier, we haven't won the Premier League in a while. Uh, so I think everything this season is to push for that title and, and be champions for the first time since 2017. Yeah, definitely. That's going to make some some interesting viewing for the next few seasons I'll be watching closely just to see what happens with the youth because Chelsea do have a very strong academy it's just a matter of will anybody really make it through in the next Step few up, seasons yeah. Yeah. yeah so if you want to move on to the mind series Rahul I think that'll be great and then we can talk about some of the players that are in the youth academy and some of the players who are still here <laughs> after several years and how we're trying to shoe them, shoehorn them in yeah so the mind series kicked off on Sunday we played Arsenal at the Emirates um, and the starting team was Mendy, Chaloba, like I had mentioned earlier, Zuma, Rudiger, Hudson Adoy, Loftus Cheek, Kovacic, uh, Pulisic, Ziet, uh, Havertz, and Werner, which was good for Havertz and Werner because they had just come back from uh, the Euros in terms yep. of they had an extended break as well as Rudiger, but they got some minutes. Uh, and the other interesting thing was Pulisic and Hudson Adoy were used as wingbacks, which we've mm-hmm. seen Hudson Adoy, but Pulisic. A little more defined in that role in this preseason, and I think it's just an opportunity for Tuchel to try different things. And uh, Pulisic looked pretty good. Yeah, and we, like I said earlier, we have a lot of attacking players, so trying to keep everybody happy, you may need to ask them to play a wing back role. Yeah, yeah, so they could get on a minute, they could get an opportunity to prove themselves in a different position. And Tuchel has then a different game plan, not necessarily formation wise, but. Maybe a Reese James playing right wing back is different to a, a Hudson Roy playing right wing back where you get a little more direct crossing and threats going forward. So I'm excited to see it. I don't know what he's going to do with it as the season progresses, but why don't we touch on a couple of names here? You already talked about Chaloba a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts you want to share on, on him? Yeah, he's looked good. He's played, um, I believe, on that right-hand side, kind of where Espelicueta plays, and he's been looking good. He's looking strong. Uh, and looking determined to kind of keep that position or at least be an option in Tuchel's right. mind. 
Uh, so that's good to see from him. And hopefully he doesn't go out on loan as I give him all these compliments. Uh, but it's good that another academy player is, is kind of stepping up and trying to make a mark for himself in the first team. Yeah, for sure. And then touching on our Germans that came back and played in that first half, Kai Havertz scored a pretty decent goal there. He did. And Timo Werner set him up. So he did. that combination seems to be working pretty well. And uh, Havertz, like you said, was a brilliant finish. And I think this season we may get to see the real or close to the real Kai Havertz that we paid 80 million for last year. And the same for Timo. I think Alex and I have been saying that all season that it could be his chance. And before we drop off the subject of Timo, you sent me a very interesting article that talks about how VAR may be changing their offside rules. So maybe you want to run us through that for just a quick second, because I think it might benefit Timo Werner quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the new ruling is giving attackers or the attacking side the benefit of the doubt. So they won't be using toenails and like noses to determine uh, if a player is offside. I think they would just give the, the benefit to that player and the goal would count. And so I think the Premier League executive had said something like you'd be getting back at least 20 goals that were called off last season, which kind of exciting because, you know, goals make games exciting. And uh, for a player like Timo Werner, who was countless times offside, and we complained on this podcast about VAR and about Timo Werner when he was rightly called offside, it should be exciting to see. Yeah, I was going to make a quick joke of the 20 goals that we'll get back. Probably 15 belong to Timo Werner with how, <laughs> how many times he was called outside. Most of them were correct, though. I have to be be honest there. But maybe he's the type of player that plays off the shoulder. So if he can get his timing right to first full season in England, you might see a few more goals coming in from Timo Werner here. Yeah, I agree. And one more player to touch in this uh, in the starting 11 for the Arsenal game is Loftus-Cheek. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did talk about him, I believe, in our last episode. But uh, Tuchel did come out and say, well, now I have one spot open in the field. Billy Gilmore did leave on loan. So uh, it's up for grabs. And I think that was a message to the likes of Loftus-Cheek, who, you know, went out on loan last season, worked hard at Fulham, stayed injury-free, which was key for him because Great, we, yeah. we watched him get injured in Boston. Uh, and I think he's ready and he's looked pretty good in, in preseason. One spot open for a midfielder. Oh, let's talk about the midfielders that could potentially <laughs> go up for that spot other than Loftus cheek. I'm just reading some of the players that came on in that second half that could potentially fill in there. Danny Drinkwater still with us. He could take that position. Ross Barkley still with us. He could take that position. So you got three players that really know how to play that midfield. I'm sure there are a few others that can come in and out. Reese has played that position as well, of course, but of those three, I mean, Barkley was signed with a lot of potential in mind. Danny Drinkwater was a Premier League winner many, many seasons ago. He's kind of tapered off. And Ruben had an explosive season under Sari, and unfortunately that injury put him down. Who do you pick of those three? I have one more name for you. All right, let's throw that in we're there. We're jumping ahead a little bit in terms of the Tottenham game, but Bakayoko <laughs> is also an option for that midfield position. Right. So, um, out of all of those, I think Loftus Cheek makes the most sense. Uh, younger, more athletic, gives a different options in terms of physicality, his right. running up and down, like we saw you said on the Sari. Um, and I think he's hungry to be successful at Chelsea. He had that good season and then it kind of stopped. Right. Uh, so I think out of all of those, unless we're going to go out and spend money, which would not be a surprise for Chelsea, I think Loftus Cheek is a, is a good option. 
Yeah, and he's also a Chelsea boy through and through. We just finished talking about when's the next time we're going to see some good academy players come through. So I'm really hopeful there. But what do we do with so many additional midfielders? At some point, you're either going to have to send them out. And I think trying to find them clubs at this point is going to get difficult. I think it is. But you also got to, I think, similar to Harry Kane's situation, as we get closer, clubs will start looking at other options in terms of who else is out there. I'm not saying Harry Kane's not going to go to Man City, but I think his price may come down closer to what City wants. So similar to that, Drakewater, Barkley, Chelsea may be wanting to see who's going to give them the most money. But as we get closer, it may be let's just get them off the books and save those wages, which may not, again, no disrespect to them, but I just don't think they fit into this system with Tuchel. But Drakewater has also looked good in three seasons. Yeah, he has, yeah. yeah, it's a tough decision. It definitely is. Let me throw out a few more names that did come on in that second half. By the way, the game finished 2-1. We didn't touch on that. Tammy Abraham on the score sheet as well. And who knows where he's going to end up in the next few weeks. And Granit Saka scoring for, for Arsenal as well. But a couple of names I want to throw out there. We've already talked about Malang Sar at centre-back. Baba Rahman at left back. Hold on to that name for just a second. Uh, we talked about Drinkwater Conte, we know very well. Barkley, we talked about. Abraham, we just talked about. Jake Clark Salter coming on as well. Zappa Costa coming in as well. Another name on right back or right wing back, whichever way you look at it. Batshuayi, another name in the striking position. So hold on to Batshuayi and then, of course, Dujon Sterling, who's also had a pretty good preseason so far in the way he's performing. But Baba Rahman and Batshuayi and Zappa Costa, those three names. <laughs> I, I'm picking on those names, Rahul, because they've been around for four seasons, three or four seasons now. Uh, they came in either under Jose Mourinho or under Antonio Conte. Conte We've had yeah. quite a few changes since then, and they really haven't got a look in. They, they've been tried by different managers. They've been shipped off on loan. Where do you go from here? I, I mean, it's if, a huge squad. It's a huge squad. It's a, it's a lot of players that you know, we've had for, for the beginning part of preseason. But as the, the first team players come back, I think some of these opportunities for the likes of a Papa Rahman and Zappa Costa uh, may reduce, and they may be like on the list of let's just go find a new club. But Baba Rahman has looked good. Uh, again, he came in and I think he suffered from an ACL injury, which injury, which, yeah. which kept him out and, and hampered his chances of making it at Chelsea. Uh, Zappa Costa, I don't think, gets ahead of, if you think about it, we've got Reese James, who's the right wing back. We've got Hudson Adoy, who could play there. We've got Pulisic, who could play there. We've got Aspilicueta, who could play there. So I don't think Zappa Costa is, is going to be here at the end of this month. but. Again, you never know. And then Batshuayi, I think it's time to... He's been a good player in terms of when we needed the goals off the bench, but it's been now what? Antonio Conte didn't really fancy him. Sari didn't really fancy him. Lampard didn't really fancy him. And I'm thinking Tuchel's not going to fancy him once (laughs) Lukaku comes in. So it's time to kind of get them off the books and maybe give uh, Armando Borja the chance to, you know, be in that first team squad again. I think he's going out on loan, but it's just a lot of players. I'm kind of out of breath just, just talking about them. Yeah. And, you know, Rahul, for their careers, I'm looking up. Michi Batshuayi is turning 27 or is 27 years old now. He'll be turning 28 in October. Zappacosta is 29. 
He will be turning 30 next year. And we've also got Baba Rahman, who, when he came to us, was a young prodigy. He was, yeah. And he's turned 27 this year, 28 next year. At this point, if they're really not going to make it at Chelsea, it's time for them to do something for themselves and their careers right. and almost move at a time where they can play some of their peak football and and show what they have to do. It, it's it's tough to see because they are human beings. They are players that had potential and could have done a lot for us. But at the same time, Chelsea need to kind of let them move on. And if you get some money off of them, as sad as it sounds, you can make that return. But they get an opportunity to continue their career and kind of go from there. Yeah, I agree with you. The only last point on this game was in the second half, Tuchel tried the two strikers, mm. Tammy and Batshuayi, and it kind of worked pretty well. It did. So it, it may be, you know, an option that he's trying against teams that we struggled with just have two strikers and that may open them up. Uh, but it's good to see he's getting the opportunity, like we've been talking about in preseason, to try different things. Maybe not with the players he wants to be trying those with, but again, uh, it gives him an idea of what works with mainly the squad that he wants to play with. And uh, I'm excited because he is a master tactician and uh, he's getting to kind of, you know, experiment a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But always exciting to beat Arsenal 2-1, even though it's just preseason. Uh, good start there. But then we move on to the next game. But before we talk about the next game, some fun event occurred right before the game. And I want you to take us through what happened there. It did. So we've been talking about this UCL trophy parade uh, because we didn't get to you know, have an official parade like you traditionally do after winning a big trophy. Uh, so the Aspilicueta walked out with the trophy as the club captain and chance of champions of Europe. We know what we are came out and all basically all the players and the whole squads around Aspilicueta and Aspilicueta comes in the middle of the pitch right behind you and puts the trophy there. And it, it just brought me back to May 29th when we were watching that game and we've seen the videos of us crying and, and excited and it just kind of for a second, I'd almost forgotten that it had happened, even though I hadn't. And then I see the trophy at Stanford Bridge and I'm like, hold on, we're champions of Europe. It's definitely something that's surreal. It's, I think maybe Aspidacreta was standing right here. Yeah. It's, it's a good, <laughs> good thing I put this background on. With, no, with, look, with this trophy. With that trophy <laughs> <and> that medal. <laughs> it worked out nicely today. No, look, it's, it's exciting because I think one thing they really missed over the last year was their fans yeah. and they've all come out and said they've missed their fans it's something where they needed fans it almost like those games that you touched on Rahul where we couldn't score a goal or we struggled it's almost like the, the fans sometimes become the 12th man yeah that that extra cheer or that boo against the team that's that's taking too much of the ball or rallying us up when we're in a corner or throw in is things that we really have missed and so it's a yes, we had fans in the in the final, and yes, they were there cheering us on, but it's different at home when your people are there week in, week out telling you how they feel. And so it was good, a good feeling for them to give back and let's say, here's what we have. And and on top of all this, we need to rub it in because we did it while Tottenham was coming over to play with us. So it's one of those things where I think it just rubs salts in the wound and says, Look, London is blue and it's blue again and it'll continue to stay blue. So definitely amazing to see. Definitely is. And rubbing salt in their wounds, there was another chant that broke out asking where Harry Kane was during the game. So <laughs> Chelsea fans doing what they do best, bantering Tottenham, and Tottenham keep getting bantered. <laughs> and that's what they'll continue to be for the next season, we hope at least. We Why don't you take us through the game, Rahul? Yeah, so starting lineup in this game, Mendy again in goal. 
he had a good break because he didn't have, you know, the Euros or the Copa America. So I think he's going to be ready for the, the new season. Uh, Zuma, Chaloba, again, Rudiger in uh, defense. Hudson Adoy, wing back again. Kovacic, Conte in midfield. Alonso, left wing back. Ziyech again starting. Havertz and Werner again getting a start. So kind of a consistent lineup, at least up front. Yep, definitely sure. And I think it's time for him to start picking those players that he wants to start going with. There's a few to come back like Jorginho and all, but good to see that he's giving the players that he wants to to play. Right. You're almost seeing the team being formed again, which it begs to talk about what we said earlier, that some of these players may need to move on, but good to see all those players. And it started well for a certain wizard that did really well for us in this game, didn't he? He did. And actually we restarted this game very well, uh, kind of all over Tottenham and get the goal from, Lucas Mora deciding to take on the one player you do not take on in a one-on-one battle is, is uh, N'Golo Kante. And Kante just kind of slides in, knocks the ball to Ziyech, and at that point, it's a counterattack. And Ziyech, to his credit, didn't try to play Timo Werner in. He knew from the moment he picked that ball up kind of right behind you again, where uh, Ascoliqueta put the trophy, that he was going to drive in and, and rip it into the net, which is what he did. And he has a good finish. He has a long, hard drive that he kind of knows where the ball is going to end up. And he, he, I think he did it against Manchester City or somebody in an FA Cup or something like that. Yeah. And the finish is very similar where he drives into that corner. and It's a really good finish. So uh, I'm impressed with him. I think he's another one that struggled. We didn't talk too much about him. We talked about the Germans. We talked about Mount Pulisic. But he's one that didn't get too much game time under Tuchel. He was in and out. So it's another good season for him to really prove himself and see what he can do as we go forward with sick competitions, like you just said. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even the second half, we started off pretty well. And there was a couple of changes at halftime. But as you went on further into the game, we did get that second goal again from Ziyech. Yep. Um, but then the changes started coming in. You know, Bakayoko was already on. Malang Sar comes on. Zapacosta comes on. Uh, Miazga comes on. That's one player we haven't even touched on. Pulisic also came on at halftime. So there was just changes all around, and that kind of affected the chemistry and the way things worked out, and Tottenham worked their way back in uh, from 2-0 down, which is a little bit disappointing. But you've got to remember the point of these games is to build fitness, to get Correct. get minutes under, under, your, under your belt, in your legs. Um, and so, yes, we should have won the game, but again, the players that eventually ended up in the game, I mean, we're not the players that, you know, are most likely going to be playing the next few games with, when the season starts. Yeah, and other than minutes, Rahul, I think what we've talked about quite a bit is seeing if we already have players in-house that can do a job for Tuchel. Right. Does he need to go buy another right wing back? No, because he's experimenting with Hudson Adoy. He's experimenting with Zapacosta, seeing if they fit in there. Those are things that will be invaluable, especially if Chelsea are going to go drop 150, 160 million on Lukaku, and then they're potentially going to drop on another center back. You may not have enough funds to play for other positions. So he's going to need to evaluate what he has in-house and see what he can do from there. Now, we may sell a few, we may raise funds, we may get a surprise transfer, but until then, we've got to see what we have in-house. So it's good. I don't think I would look too much into the fact that we've conceded two goals. Some of the players that came on really have been out in and out of teams for the last year. It's just a chance for them to also prove that they can play football and hopefully another team is looking at them where they can get picked up on either a loan or or a full transfer from there. Yeah, I agree. And uh, on just on the point of you saying we've been selling players, we actually have raised about 50 million 
just from fair sales, which is pretty much half of what we need to pay for Lukaku. So on right. on paper, it sounds like a lot, but Chelsea have kind of supplemented that with player sales and we still can sell a lot of players like you were saying. So it's smart business from Chelsea and, um, you know, compared to the likes of City, we're not just throwing money at, at a problem. We're trying to get players in because we, we have the money. We're trying to do it generated by our own, uh, you know, incomings and outgoings. So that's that's good from the club. And uh, that kind of wraps up the preseason in terms of, you know, the friendly games. The real competition starts from next week uh, with the Super Cup and then the Premier League, which we will be doing an episode later this week, previewing the Super Cup and then giving our Premier League predictions. Uh, and Alex should be back too. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, before we part ways, just one more thing I want to throw out is if you have not seen Reese James's new tattoo, that oh, is yeah. an incredible tattoo, especially for him to demo while we're walking around the Tottenham Stadium. He's got the Champions League trophy with the date on his calf there. So if you want to go look at that, go check that out. That's a very, very impressive and definitely a memory forever for him. Young man's going to enjoy that one. Definitely. And he has the other leg, other calf open for the Premier League. That's there coming. you go. <laughs> um, so exactly. Definitely a, a, a good, you know, a good moment for him at his young career. And right. he's only going to get better. Um, so we look forward to that. Yep. So now we've got to move into an interview with Darius Chazardi. He's come in on our podcast before. Uh, we did a preview with him for the Real Madrid game, but he joins us now for uh, it's just a quick segment on what he's been doing with Project Goal. Uh, we're, you know, supporters of Project Goal, a nonprofit that helps middle school kids with school as well as with um, soccer. And so he's coming in to kind of share more about some of the activities with Project Goal as well as something that he's doing this Friday with uh, high school kids that are going to college. So we'll now welcome Darius and uh, Jackie. I think you'll be stepping out. I will indeed. Enjoy the interview and let him know about that Real Madrid game. I will. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks. Okay, so for our next segment, we now have Darius Shazardi from Project Gold joining us. Hey, Darius, how are you? All right, how are you? I'm doing good. The last time you were on with us was uh, towards the end of the last season when Chelsea played Real Madrid. I know, I know. I'm still hurting over that. <laughs> uh, I'm not hurting because I'm celebrating our, our Champions League victory, but I remember our episode and uh, we had a little bet going and whoever lost had to call the other person. And I have to let our listeners and followers know that you did give me that call. So I appreciate it. Oh, uh, you know, I'm already looking forward to next season. There you go. Uh, but today you join us to chat a little bit more about Project Goal, uh, a program you started a few years ago almost 20 years i guess at this point so tell us a little bit more about project gold and then we can talk about the upcoming college showcase you have this friday yeah well so project goal uh we started um yeah almost 20 years ago it's uh i think we're going into our 18th or 19th year um created to uh kind of cater to middle school age kids from the inner city giving them opportunities that they may or may not have had if they weren't in a program like Project Goal. Uh, we do 90 minutes of academic tutoring and mentoring, followed up by another 90 minutes of soccer coaching and soccer play. And essentially the kids have to earn their time to play soccer by following the rules that we have in regards to bringing the work, being there consistently. And we work with a lot of different uh, 
partners and organizations like the New England Revolution. Um, we're starting to work with the new pro-USL team coming into Rhode Island, Brown University, Providence College, some of the premier clubs in the area. So um, we not only try to get our kids into the program, but we try to filter them into other existing programs as well. And um, one of the big features of the program is that it's 100% free of charge. So one of the keys that we wanted to create when we had the program um, was that nobody would pay anything to be in it. They would just have to follow the rules, um, be consistent in their schoolwork and attendance, um, and not worry about you know, paying to be in a program. Or also, uh, we take care of the transportation as well, so they don't have to worry about getting a bus or anything like that to go over to the program. So we take care of that. Yeah, that I and I've been to a few of your sessions, and I must say, uh, the kids enjoy doing the schoolwork because they know what's coming after, uh, and that's a great way to keep them motivated in terms of you know getting the schoolwork done and staying on top of it, uh, because the reward is getting playtime and playing soccer or football. Uh, so yeah, absolutely, definitely a great program. And guys, if you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. It's projectgold.org. Um, and like Darius said, they have been in Rhode Island uh, for almost 20 years now. Uh, and in fact, you mentioned New England Revolution. One of your kids that was in the program uh, currently is part of the New, Re New England Revolution squad. Yeah, he uh, signed a pro contract uh, just over a year ago as a 17-year-old. He was part of the New England Revolution Academy. Um, he had been in Project Goal when he was 11 and 12 years old. Um, and so, yeah, he's been playing for their USL, um, I think it's uh, the premier, the championship team, which is like just below MLS um, for the past year, year and a half. Uh, and then he's trying to break into the first team. Um, and yeah, we've had a, a, also a great relationship and support from FIFA and the FIFA Foundation for over 10 years. So, um, you know, we're not just a Rhode Island organization or known, but also internationally um, trying to use the sport for some kind of social good rather than just, you know, developing the next pro professional player. But as you mentioned, you know, we just happen to have a few kids that are pretty good. And, um, you know, the most recent one that is playing in MLS. Yeah, that's, that's definitely exciting. And for anyone that doesn't know, we're talking about Dame, Damien Riviera. Um, and he was obviously part of project gold and now is uh part of the New England Revolution setup. So uh, a great testament to the program. And I'm sure he's a great advocate for uh, what you guys are doing. And uh, I've met some of the kids the, uh, that went through the program and they can't stop talking about what a, a great impact it was on their uh, lives and keeping them, uh, you know, focused on school and, and the sport. So definitely a great job you guys are doing out there. Uh, but staying on that theme, you do have a college showcase coming up this Friday, which is geared towards more of high school kids going into, um, you know, their junior and senior years of, of uh, high school. Is that right? Yeah. So we, um, this is be our second annual, um, you know, we, we actually took a two year uh, hiatus because of COVID. But yeah, we have a boys and girls college showcase games for Providence area high school age kids. We've got a number of college coaches coming in to come watch them play. Um, you know, not all, all the time do kids um, from this area get the exposure they need if they want to continue on and possibly get recruited to go play in college unless they're playing for uh, like a premier club in the area 
Um, and that's not always feasible for some of the kids that we deal with um, in terms of fees needed um, because those teams cannot give scholarships to all the kids that come out that may need it. So I think this is a good opportunity that we've created. Um, again, it's connected with Project Goal. We've got some good sponsors behind it with We Got Soccer um, and the Wheeler School. And, um, and then Project Goal started um, a service to try and help some of those kids in the recruiting process called My Soccer Advocate. Um, so that those services will be on site as well. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. This is the first year we're going to do a girls' side of the game as well. And we've got probably about 20 coaches committed uh, between the girls and the boys. So um, we're looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I think the kids are looking forward to having the opportunity to kind of show their stuff in front of some of those coaches. Yeah, that, that sounds like an exciting time. And uh, I was going to touch on the piece that you are doing, uh, you know, part of the program with girls and uh, the growth of soccer, uh, women's soccer, not only here in the U.S., but w worldwide uh, has been has been growing pretty fast and it's good to see because they deserve the attention that they they're getting now. Um, and not only on your, in your college showcase, but also in your program, there's a good balance of, of, uh, girls and guys. So, um, definitely something to be excited about. You mentioned you had about 20 coaches. Um, where are these coaches, uh, you know, working in terms of colleges and, um, mainly in the Northeast or even outside of the, uh, this area? No, they're mostly um, local. So we've got like coaches coming from Brown University, Providence College, Rhode Island College, uh, but then some from the Boston area like Bentley, Babson. Um, so I'm not even aware fully of all the coaches who are going to be there, but those are just some of the ones that I've spoken to um, that will be there uh, and were had attended the first one, uh, the first game that we had had a couple of years ago. So um, they've been looking forward to it as well because – it's an easy drive for most of those coaches. Um, a lot of those coaches do not have huge recruiting budgets, um, especially if they're like a division two or division three school. Um, and it's, you know, they don't really have a game like this offered in the area for the state where they try to get the best players together to play in a, in kind of like an all-star game. So um, most of those coaches locally might go to maybe like a state finals, something similar, but um you know, not where they'll all be in one game uh, playing. Um, and it's probably some kids they probably haven't seen. So again, I think it's a great opportunity for those kids. Um, and we have a number of kids who've been in Project Goal, which is also another plus for us. So um, yeah, we're just, again, looking forward to it. Another opportunity for kids to kind of show what they can do and uh, maybe get an opportunity to, you know, uh, go on to higher education. Yeah, definitely. An exciting opportunity, like you said, for the coaches, but definitely for the kids, too. So, um, And I'm glad you guys are doing this. I know you said you took a two-year two break, but I'm glad you came back to doing this. And uh, I'm sure Friday, this Friday, August 6th, uh, will be a good turnout. And um, hopefully, like you said, some of the kids can uh, get an opportunity to not only playing soccer, but also getting uh, a higher education. So it starts at 5 p.m. with the girls. Is that right? Yeah, the girls' game starts at 5, and then the boys start at 6.45. Okay, and that's at Wheeler Farm, which is 357 Walker Street in Seekonk, Massachusetts. That's correct. And it's, um, you know, there's no fee to get in. Um, anybody from the general public can come and watch, um, and they'll have some uh, special area for the coaches to come and watch 
some of the kids play as well. And we'll have information on all the students playing, including uh, what schools they go to, uh, average GPA, um, you know, club that they might play for, what year in school they are and what school they come from. So, yeah, it's, uh, it should give them uh, a lot of stuff to go home with and see uh, information about, you know, some of those players. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you do have questions for, and for our listeners, if you have questions for Darius or uh, just want to learn more about Project Goal or this, uh, the college showcase, you can reach out to him uh, at Project Goal on Instagram or at Darius Shazardi uh, also on Instagram. And if you um, don't get a response, let me know. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Darius and I talk pretty often. Um, and yeah, it sounds like an exciting opportunity on Friday and I wish you guys all the best and we'll uh, promote it from here on out until Friday. And if there's any pictures or anything that you take on Friday and want to share with us, we'll share that as well. Uh, and we're happy to be connected The premier shells is happy to be connected with project gold and all the brilliant work you guys do. Uh, and we look forward to seeing how else we can uh, collaborate in the future. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Rahul, and I appreciate, um, you know, the Prem Show for having us on again. Um, and then hopefully the next time I'm on, I'll get to talk positively about Real Madrid winning um, and also let you know how uh, both the showcase and the program's going um, and also the opening of our new soccer courts in Central Falls later this month. That's right. It was the mini pitch, I believe, you're opening in Central Falls. Yeah, we're opening uh, two soccer courts in Central Falls August 21st. Awesome. That's that's exciting. And that, again, is an opportunity for kids to, uh, you know, get out there and have a dedicated space to play and, and practice the game and uh, enhance their game. Yeah, it's an exciting um, project that we're finishing. You know, it was uh, we got a bunch of help from some former college uh, athletes who went to Brown and PC who turned pro, uh, like Jeff Lorenowitz and Michael Parkhurst and Julian Gressel. Um, they tapped their network, they tapped the MLS Players Association, U.S. Soccer for Money to help us build this. And um, yeah, well, we've got all the money and we're completing construction. It's going to be a rush in the next two weeks. But um, but yeah, it should be uh, exciting to have that opening and have various different organizations represented. Some of the pro players will be there um, and the sponsors. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. That's awesome. Sounds like a Busy few weeks coming up for you on, on the Project Goal side, but all exciting stuff, and we wish you all the very best. Um, and like I said, if you want to learn more about what Project Goal does or just follow them and, and, and help them out whenever you can, uh, it's at Project Goal on Instagram or Darius, at Darius Shazardi on Instagram. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Darius. Uh, it was great chatting with you uh, and wishing you the very best again on Friday and as well as for the uh, pitch opening on the 21st like you said uh but that's all for now guys uh thanks for subscribing liking and following us uh and we will be back later this week to do a super cup preview uh, for chelsea and a premier league prediction so tune in and we will be back but until then stay safe and up the chelsea